Hello and welcome back to Shop Scratch. You're listening to episode 91, Behind the Scenes at the BMJ. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors and expert guests come together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor that you might not get taught in medical school. I'm Charlotte and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, looking after all the content that BMJ student will be producing this year. I've also just finished my fifth year as a medical student at the University of Oxford. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by three ex-editorial scholars and Sharp Scratch hosts. So would you all like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Laura uh, and I'm a Foundation Year 2 doctor in Hinchingbroke near Cambridge. Hi, I'm Anna and I am also a Foundation Year 2 doctor um, in Newcastle and Carlisle. And hi, I'm Nikki and I'm a final year medical student at Manchester. Amazing. It's so nice to be recording with you all today. It's really cool. It's really fun. (laughs) So nice. Okay, so maybe you've been following BMJ Student for a really long time, or maybe you're new to following us. Perhaps you only know about Sharp Scratch, or you've written and worked with us before. However much you know about BMJ Student, we hope today's episode will be a look behind the scenes at what it means to actually work at the BMJ. Um, So today we're going to be talking about our experiences working at the BMJ, as well as how you can get involved. We'll dive into any worries we had before joining and unpick our experiences to hopefully allow you to get a better insight into the inner workings of a medical journal. Our aim is to myth bust and make BMJ student hopefully seem a little bit more accessible. So yeah, I thought we'd start off by talking about how we all kind of first got introduced to the BMJ. Um, so yeah, how did everyone first learn about the journal? Have you been reading it forever or was it like something that you only got into in medical school? Oh yeah, since I, since I came out of the womb, <laughs> I was reading the BMJ. <laughs> That's what you used to say at your, your medical wow. school interview, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, it's one of those things you're, you're told to read for your interviews, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. my first like proper memory of yeah. the BMJ and BMJ student in particular, and actually knowing what it was, is that first day of medical school when you're kind of all walking around all these different like freshers fairs. Um, but yeah, I remember signing up for the BMA then, and I think it's free in your first year, and you get your copy of um, BMJ student. But I don't think I ever really understood that a student takes a year out to work there for a year that that understanding came a lot later for me I think yeah absolutely I um grew up well both my parents uh uh, retired doctors so there were BMJs around the house and I always thought it looked super boring and sometimes very gross (laughs) unnecessarily gross so like I was never particularly drawn to it until like you Nikki until I got the student BMJ sort of magazine at um whilst being at uni yeah but I think I I had also probably encountered BMJ student before I went to medical school um I'm not really sure how but it was definitely through the hard copies because I remember having some really really old ones from like 2010 and things like that and but but back then way back before there was still a medical student doing it but I I definitely always had that on my radar because I was like that would be so cool because I'd always really been Mm. interested in like writing and journalism and stuff and I'd done Mm. as Mm. soon as I went to medical school I got involved with my like med school magazine and I was yeah. like, that would be so cool if I could do that. Um, but but yeah, it kind of fell off my radar until something which I think I've spoken about before on the podcast was my granny saw the advert for the Editorial Scholar. Nice. And she sent it to me and she was like, you must apply for this. Like, this is exactly something that, that you sh- like should be doing. And I think you'd really enjoy. So shout out to Granny Meg, everyone. Um, oh. <laughs> I think I listened to Sharp Scratch before I 
applied for the job but again I, I don't know if I it had completely added up for me that Lara or Anna that you guys were on years out I don't know why it hadn't I yeah, hadn't sure never really thought about it yeah. and then I saw yeah. the job advert on Twitter but I remember thinking because yeah. I'd not done the Clegg scholarship or I didn't have very much editorial experience again I'd been involved in like our school magazine back at school and I'd done a fair bit of writing but not very much hands-on editing before I remember doubting whether I would have the right experience but then I thought mm. all of the things that it described were so interesting to me that it would be worth putting an application together. And I remember thinking, even if I got an interview at the BMJ, that would be such a good experience. And I ended up really enjoying the interview, like the chat I had actually with Anna and Duncan and um, <laughs> the pe- people who are on the call for anyone who can't see. But um... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely like resonate with that. And I think I sort of knew from um, stuff that I'd seen you posting Laura that it was a it was a year out thing and that you were kind of the first person to be doing it in this sort of new format but I just like assumed because it was the BMJ like it was definitely going to be something that yeah was like super I don't know like formal and maybe needed Mm. a lot more experience Mm -hmm. that I didn't have and yeah I think my plan as I went into the application was actually because I applied between my penultimate and final years of med school was like that was like the practice year and that hopefully I would get an interview but probably wouldn't get the job and then I could apply the next year and maybe have a year out like between F1 and I did exactly (laughs) the same I thought the exact same and I thought you know because I was I was really lucky during med school to have an incredible cohort like I loved my group that I was going up with really collaborative um brilliant group we still meet up it's lovely um and so I knew that taking a year out would mean that I'd have two years left of med school not with this group with um, a a group of med med students I wasn't particularly familiar with but I thought you know what if I apply now like I might not get it and then I could apply the year after and then still have a chance to get it because I so I I found out about the job on Twitter um this random tweet read the person's specification just thought I have got to do this like I just I have to do this somehow Mm -hmm. I have to get this job (laughs) and um and it was really stressy and a bit last minute because I knew that I had to ask permission from the dean of my college, dean of my medical school first, because she was the kind of person who definitely did not appreciate being asked after the fact. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I had a meeting, mm-hmm. like said why I wanted to do it, even without having any application in, just had oh, to like pitch it as something that would be really, really great for my education, great for the medical yeah. school. Yeah. So it was a bit of a last minute thing, mm-hmm. but I just knew that I somehow had to do it, even if it took two years, just like you, Anna. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you touched on something that maybe, Charlotte, I don't know if you want to come back to this at a different point, but just thinking about, you know, some of the barriers that people might have to putting in that application, you know, Mm -hmm. that idea of taking a year out of med school. We're so used to, I think, in some ways, doing stuff alongside our studies, maybe, rather than having this, like, allocated block of time to really focus on something else. And, And I know that that can definitely seem daunting for people um particularly as you say you know going back into a year where you maybe don't know people quite so well and things like Mm -hmm. that so I don't know how you guys um kind of navigated that it was so different for me because I I was editorial scholar of the year that COVID happened so once I went back to med school like everything was totally different anyway so I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference but I don't know Laura like what how did you like navigate that when you actually got back to med school well so my, I had lots of friends still in 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 the uh, in town, uh, and I knew lots of rugby players in my new year group. So that those things like both helped. 
I continued to miss my old co- cohort, like in classes mm. for the rest of the time. Like, you know, we used to bring cake to lectures. You yeah. had like a cake rotor. Oh, it was just such a good time. But during my final year, COVID came. And so that changed everything again. And I was at home with my parents a lot. So I didn't feel that lack as much during final year. I guess there was a bit of, um, maybe you guys had this too, a bit of like worry about going back in terms of like clinical um, skills and attrition. Oh, but. Yeah loads of people have now gone through that with COVID as well. So it's like, it's no longer mm. like a special feature of the job. Loads of people have had quite a long break from clinical environments and got back into it and passed um, all their final exams. Like it was a bit of an, it was a bit of an yeah. slog at the beginning, but within a, within a month or two, I think yeah. we've forgotten about it. When I went back, because my third year had been cut short because of COVID and then I took the year out, it had been over 18 months since I'd been in a clinical wow. setting. So I remember being really, like the night before going back into fourth year, I being like, God, if the, the clinic I'm in tour, if they're going to teach by um, humiliation, I'm going to take another 18 months out because I can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it was it was fine. And I, I think the, the process of interrupting, I think Laura t- touched on like the formality of um, yeah. asking for a year out. I found that, out, yeah. so I... By the way, I saw the application, the job advert, I think it was about 48 hours before the deadline. So I just Woo! had to do yeah. the application there and then. <laughs> and then when I got the job offer, I then, I remember, I think it was a Thursday evening that I found out. And I was, because again, it was all COVID year, everything was a bit delayed with recruitment that year. So I think I was meant to be starting my year at med school within a month. And I had to ask to interrupt. So, so yeah. there are some formalities because you become, yeah. you're no longer a student. Um, you know, they're, they're all of these like technical things that you might need to navigate if you got the job. There are people at the BMJ who have helped editorial scholars with this kind of stuff before. So you wouldn't be on your own yeah I felt really stressed when I like found out about the job because the dates didn't really work with my medical school and I was like oh no now I'm gonna have to like explain all of this to the BMJ and I was really scared that people would be like kind of stressed or I don't know angry somehow about it but that is just not the vibe at all it was really like flexible yeah yeah like, the BMJ's keeping... used to it right well like, exactly and what you have to remember is the BMJ is is a business that has people who are experts in doing these kind of things like writing contracts and stuff yeah. it's not yeah. the NHS you can cut that bit if you want where you know you don't like my job my job that I've just got right that I'm super excited to have got this job for training do I know where I'm going to be working no do I know how much I'm going to be getting paid no (laughs) but yay I've got a job and I'm so excited about it and it was really competitive but they don't feel the need to give you any information about it um but yeah you know and I and I think that is probably one of the biggest cultural things that was different definitely going to the BMJ compared Mm. to med school was that it is a business yeah and it does have all these kind of things right yeah parents employees and wow like it really does show you like a different way to live I found the concept of annual leave very like the, the concept of like being able to choose when to take time off and people yeah. encouraging I remember like people I worked with kind of I would reply to emails sometimes at the beginning on my annual leave or on the weekends and people would reply saying don't don't email me when you're off like take your time off and I'd be like why why do you care that I'm I take my time off but it was it was so nice to yeah the cultural difference was very welcomed I think I don't know if you got this in the covid years but like also little bits like the Christmas party and um 
bonus day off around Christmas time and uh, little bank things holidays. like that through the year. Oh, bank holiday. What's a bank holiday? Yeah, no, crazy. Um, <laughs> and also in the office, like in the floor below, there was this room with loads of sweets in it. Yeah, it was one of the, it was one of the main things that you said to me when I came for my shadowing day. You were like, there's always sweets in there. <laughs> Okay, so more on working at the VMJ right after this message from our sponsor. Indemnity. You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective, no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, there are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week, one lucky new joiner wins £200. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free, and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. Okay, yeah, so we were kind of talking about cultural changes, about like working at the VMJ versus our experience of med school. Um, has anyone else got any like good examples of like things that they found really different? As a med student, particularly, I'd only done one clinical year before my BMJ year you do feel so useless at the beginning and you feel like your only job is to close these curtains and follow people around and you're actually in people's way more so than you can help them and then to go from that to running the entire section of the journal yourself but also helping out with other sections wherever you can and actually being useful and like once you get the hang of things actually being good at the job that you're doing was a feeling Mm -hmm. that I really wasn't used to that was Mm -hmm. really I think it was nice to to feel as though you were capable of doing something and capable of being useful people looking yeah. to you to make a decision as well like people thinking your decision is a meaningful and valuable or your decision, opinion sometimes you know? I would sit in these meetings mm-hmm. and think why would anyone listen to me I am a child compared to all of these <laughs> experts who I would just kind of sit there thinking how clever everyone was and then people would ask me what I thought and I would kind of think like why would they care what I think like what I think doesn't but then it took me a while to understand that that's the whole point of the job is to see like what a medical student thinks about this or or for it being a really valid thing to say well, I read that and I didn't actually understand it it's so ingrained in you isn't it like in medicine the hierarchy like even as a junior doctor you know the consultant is and and more or less so in different teams you know there are definitely amazing teams out there where this is not the case but I think that the sort of default is you know that hierarchical structure where if you're more junior you would not be expected to have an opinion or to be able to contribute anything sort of meaningful to a discussion about a clinical case or whatever, which is not true, firstly. But at at the BMJ, Mm. it's just not like Mm. that. Um, And it very much is a sort of flat hierarchy. And I think I definitely felt very welcomed. And I I also Mm, felt like my experiences, you know, my clinical experiences, having been so recent as well, was considered like a really valuable thing Mm -hmm. to bring into the team because whilst there are a lot a lot of people who obviously work as doctors too many of them work in the community rather than in hospitals Mm -hmm. and um 
you know a lot of a lot of the more senior editors maybe haven't actually worked clinically for for a long time so it's it's important for them to have that viewpoint of what's really going on on the ground yeah absolutely something you mentioned Anna, is that when you basically when you get into the bmj office you are the expert in the room yeah on students on medical mm-hmm. students yeah and that instantly means that your opinion is massively important because you're the only person who can say what you've got to say about students and what it's mm. like to be a medical student. Although it's absolutely ruined yeah. me. It's ruined me for any other context because I just am not in awe of people in authority anymore. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> no, who are you? Absolutely. It's it's like, yeah. health. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and other people are like, oh, well, the consultant said this, that and the other to me. And I'm like, so <laughs> they're just a, they're yeah. just some guy aren't they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it, absolutely, it does elevate your sense of like self-worth and like what your you can do in a team and yeah. And yeah, arrogance and yeah. the fact that you're allowed to ask yeah. questions and no, I, I think your point is right like, the fact that you're allowed to ask questions and don't have to just yeah. accept things yeah. based based mm-hmm. on who said obviously sometimes there's things that you have to accept based yeah on who said them but I, I don't know I feel like it's that having the confidence to speak yeah. up when you disagree with something is something that I've definitely yeah. taken forward from my year at the BMJ. Yeah, it's massively, yeah, it's massively helped my confidence, I think. I think, like, med school feels different for everyone, but I think, for me, I felt quite confident in school. I felt very comfortable in school. I, my school was a really small state school uh, in South Wales, and I felt, like, comfortable and confident, and I enjoyed, like, all my classes and my teachers, and it, it was great. And then I got to med school and suddenly there's this culture of, you know, the hierarchy is is really difficult to contend with, I think, when you've come from a school that really isn't like that. And then you've got, like, teaching by humiliation, we were talking about earlier, like, all of this stuff. And then suddenly having a year out with BMJ has just, like, really changed the way Mm -hmm, I think about a lot of that stuff. Um, And I think it's a break that I probably needed to have to Mm -hmm. boost my confidence and not something I necessarily thought I would mm. gain. Like, this has been a bit of a mm. surprise. Definitely. Like, I, I I maybe assumed it would be more of the same, yeah, but it just cool. hasn't been. And then, meanwhile, so. like, your your opinion's valued and so on. And at the same time, you get to work with these really cool people Such who are experts cool at people. what they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you learn loads and you have loads of fun. Like, yeah, I mean, we haven't so even flexed on how fun it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. really fun. It's so fun. Not just for the free sweets, but like <laughs> in these meetings, like, yeah, there's loads of business, but also there's people mess around and you work really closely, like, particularly for making sharp scratch. There's mm. a few people that you work with even more closely, Definitely. generating loads of ideas. Like, how fun is an ideas generating meeting? Like, just getting loads of things yeah. out there. So yeah, good. absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's also something I didn't expect, how, like, informal it can mm, kind of feel sometimes. Like, I started the job, you know, every morning, waking up an hour earlier to, like, find my smartest <laughs> shirt and straighten my hair and, like... And now I'm just like, no, no, the baggy yeah. jumper and the crazy frizzy hair and will be fine. someone always like, joining the meeting from their car on their way to somewhere. But yeah, like it's it's a lot more informal, I think, than I might have. Yeah, I remember going to my interview. I think I must have been the last person to be interviewed in person, and I was like, I came up to London because we were living in Kent at the time, and uh, my partner came with me to, uh, you know, he he sat in the in like Brunswick Square, just like watching the squirrels, (laughs) waiting for me to come out. Like, how was it? But I remember wearing like putting on like a suit, and then when I got there, and it was like 
Larry, you, um, Duncan and Helen, and you guys were all just like having a laugh with each other. And it was just so nice. Like it felt exactly as like Nikki said earlier, I think it just felt like a really nice chat. My my mum asked me the other day, actually, do I miss, like, so I'm still working remotely a lot of the time. I go into London very occasionally, but not super often. Um, and she was asking, like, do I miss, like, patient contact and, like, being around people in the hospital? Does it ever feel lonely? And I was like, no, it really, it really doesn't because we're doing stuff like this with the recording, the ideas generation, like, meetings you were just talking about, Lara, like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, I was going to say, that's the only thing that I really missed about clinical was seeing patients. Yeah. I think seeing patients, definitely, but I don't think it feels lonely. Like, I don't think it feels... No, yeah. I, sorry, I was going to say, it's very rare to have a whole day and not have any meetings or not have any contact with anyone else in the team. Mm. So even though you're the only person <laughs> sort of solely responsible for this one section, you have so much interaction with other people on the team, every other... And you have so much flexibility to go to other team meetings, mm. learn from them, based on what your own personal interests are like you could completely have inserted yourself into another team and learn loads from them or do a bit of everything and the continuity is really nice as well like in medicine you're we were talking before the call about like constantly jumping around from placement to placement and like meeting new people and like never getting to like stay in one place for like a longer period of time but this is so nice you get to like be around the same people for a whole year which is yeah get to know everyone's really different I think foibles things they like things they don't like yeah. <laughs> yeah. you do do a lot of meetings which uh you get to see like loads of different ways of running meetings and so yeah. on um and you can develop your own you also like i don't know i ran you know bmj student pitch meetings um and you get a sense of how you want to run meetings and you take that back to your clinical practice where you have mm-hmm. handovers and stuff like that and when you go back to clinical practice you just mm-hmm. see loads of examples of meetings done very chaotically and you'll think yeah. wow <laughs> what a difference how about writing and editing how about that part of the job were you guys nervous the first time you sent something to another editor for edits when you wrote when you wrote your own content yeah I think writing my own stuff still feels a bit weird I don't mind editing so much I think I had more experience of that side of things than writing before I started but um yeah it does still feel nerve-wracking I think and you're not expected to know how to do it all when you start obviously like it the whole point is like mm. it's a learning mm. process right so, so I think the thing I found really um intimidating was sometimes when you were asked to do a second read or like a second round of edits on something that perhaps one of the columnists have written or something that a doctor that's much more senior than you might have written and I, again I would always find that kind of imposter syndrome of why would my edits matter to them like why why should I be giving this person corrections I found that quite difficult to get my head around at first that people wanted my opinion on work that was done by people who I saw as above me. I really enjoyed that actually that part of getting to do edits on other people's work as well because you're part of a process so you can see what's been done before and what happens after you've made your suggestions Mm. what's kept what's not so it's really good for learning and for me editing feels less vulnerable whereas I remember feeling quite nervous the first time I got my that's exactly how I writing back with comments on like I read them all and then I and then I shut the page and then I went to sleep like I let I let I let I let 24 <laughs> hours pass before coming back to it just so my little soul could handle like the I don't know it's like the red pen kind of effect yeah. isn't it but that where that wore off a lot throughout the year you like you get used to it very quickly yeah um, yeah and I think it's so nice yeah, to help both in terms of editing but also when someone edits your work have, yeah. being able to formulate someone's idea and 
to almost help them say it better because yeah. often I feel like people have yeah. an idea and it makes sense in your head but you struggle to yeah. put it into words and I find this when I'm writing often mm-hmm. and then sometimes like I've, I've just written a piece about um, the SJT and Charlotte did a round of edits on it and sometimes there was a couple of sentences that we were trying to talk talk about together I would send her a voice mm. note being like this is what I'm trying to say and then we mm. would between us um get the wording right and it was yeah. at the end of the day yeah. it's kind of as the author it ends up being what I meant in the first mm. place yeah. but it's just a better yeah, way yeah. of saying it or it's a yeah and, yeah, and yeah. with a couple of different people's input you end up phrasing I think that was always really nice speaking to authors when they were really grateful that their point had come mm. across in the best way yeah they, yeah. they yeah. could get it yeah I, and then you learn tons from this whole process yeah. as well. But I think, yeah, it's definitely something that is a really valuable skill to like not be really protective over your work because definitely. that's the, that's the way, the only way that you're not going to develop, yeah. right? Is if you're like, mm. well, this is right and I don't want anyone to yeah. change it. So I think you do have to have like a bit of flexibility or be open to the idea of a bit of, of, of flexibility and, and learning things. But I, you know, I would I would have thought that anyone who's interested in this job will already be that kind of person so (laughs) yeah I think as well like what you were just saying about like hearing other people's opinions and like trying to like work out how other people think about like different topics is like one of the coolest parts of this job is like hearing from such like Mm. a range of opinions when you're we we were talking yesterday about how when you're in medicine you're Mm. very like in it and you can't see you can't like zoom out and like see the wider context of things Uh, yeah yeah and just like just in the world and how that impacts like everyday medicine um and so actually like like broadening my like Mm. perspective of medicine has been like really cool and yeah at the moment with everything that's going on I don't know if that's pulled me closer Uh. (laughs) towards medicine or pushed me away from it but it's really interesting I think that's probably whenever people ask me about my year out the thing that I always say is that it really help me have this kind of bird's eye view perspective of medicine in a way that Mm. I think we're always taught at medical school in a very this patient in front of you this is the the case that you're doing this is the vignette of the multiple choice question and like these are the patterns and this is like it's very forward thinking straight Mm. not really broadening your horizons as you were saying Charlotte whereas I feel like the whole Mm. job at the BMJ with all of the work that you do writing and all the podcasting it all encompasses this kind of bird's eye view and all the other factors that are impacting the culture of medicine, kind of our day-to-day mm. life and how that's affecting all these different people that you're kind of a communication point to. Yeah, and then you become that annoying person that goes back to medical school and you're like, I think you'll find that's a little more complicated. But, you know, I think it definitely taught me a bit about, I guess, like personality management. You know, you do you do have to say no to quite a lot of people, and I think that got the, the amount of people I was saying no to got more and more throughout my year as like the profile yeah. of um, BMJ student was sort of starting to be um, mm. raised again from from when Laura you were involved in sort of getting things started again, and um, that that can be really tough. Like they they can be tough conversations, um, but again, it is those skills are things that I have drawn on in my clinical mm-hmm. practice. Um, so it's all super useful. Yeah. I think one of the things I was worried about was that I, so when I go back into medicine, it'll be like, I'll have six months until finals. And I was really worried that like, actually all those kind of skills and everything will be, I'll be really out of touch with it all. But it sounds like from what you're saying, Anna, that just wasn't the case at all. And if anything, it was more the opposite. 
Yeah. And I remember, I remember going back, like for anyone who's thinking about applying, but worried about going back and like their skills depreciating and stuff. And of course you forget things and whatever, but I remember going back and I remember going to by myself to, to examine someone's abdomen and just my hands were doing it. And I didn't even have to think about it. I hadn't done it for nearly a year and a half. But you know, if you, if, when you do something that many times it's apparently like playing an instrument I don't play an instrument so I don't know but you just you just remember your body remembers how to do it your mind doesn't have to so Mm. same with blood same with cannulas catheters if you learn any of those skills before you take a year out you go back the body remembers I'm I'm really curious. One thing we've not mentioned at all is what it felt like to start on the podcast. Because I've definitely heard all of you at some point or another say, like, how am I supposed to do this when I've never done this before? And then turned out really great at it. So how did you get, how how did you manage to do that first episode? How did you get used to it? For me, it was definitely the thing I was most nervous about. I was just really stressed about doing it. Because I'd had experience writing, I'd had experience editing, but doing a podcast is such a different it feels like such a different like way of communicating. Um, not going to lie, I think I'm still figuring it out, so I don't think I'm the best person to speak on um, what it's like. But yeah, it was definitely like a nerve-wracking bit, but you do get used to it really quickly. So I was going to say, one of the things that we do is we try and make sure there's a bit of crossover, right? So that your, your first episodes ever on it aren't hosting. You become a panellist and the last editorial scholar does a couple of episodes having said that though Anna my first episode that I was a panelist for was the live episode so there was no can we cut that or can we record I just went straight into it it was on zoom um but there was a live audience watching us record it I think Larry you had a really good idea to make sure that we joined the call before um before each episode to kind of have a bit of an informal Mm. chat before we started recording which I found Mm. really reassuring Mm. because the year that I started as well there was no new panelists so I was new to a group that all already knew each other and then I had to kind of host which felt and also I felt like I almost knew some of you guys because I'd been listening before to an extent exactly to an extent I felt a bit more like I knew a bit more about each of you or what you might be like or from having listened to to you on different episodes but yeah it it felt a bit strange to come in but I mean everyone's really friendly so yeah that call before is so helpful um I started in a year where there's been a lot of new panelists this year so it's kind of the opposite experience to you Nikki but there's a lot of nervous (laughs) energy (laughs) sometimes before the episodes and actually having having a chat with everybody and just like reassuring everyone that it's actually a really fun informal space to like chat about things that matter to you it's, it's a really nice way of doing it so I think that's been like I'm, a really I'm curious because I remember you and I yeah. talking about what it was like to start the podcast and I mentioned how I found that even though I'd never hosted a podcast before done any recording that a lot of hosting was a bit like when I'd run church groups in the past in the sense of like trying to make sure that people who weren't speaking had a chance to speak and when to dive in with a new comment or how to change the direction of the group towards your next point and you mentioned as well that you'd had a completely different experience that you thought was transferable. Yeah, so I did like college welfare and stuff like that. Um, and we like ran like peer support groups and like supervision sessions. And like, yeah, it's it's strange the things that you'll end up bringing into it. Because like everybody's had experiences that will somehow map onto doing this podcast, but you just might not realise it at the time. So I never thought that that would be useful. But noticing when, you know, it's a good time to bring someone else into the group or like acknowledging that we've probably spent enough time on this now and that 
you know we're only recording for a set amount of time so actually changing the topic would be good um but yeah I think it's also just a confidence building thing um like it does get easier over time and hearing feedback from people and working with people at the BMJ and like figuring out your own like style I guess is um the way to go you don't have to be a carbon copy of the person who came before you it's completely fine to do it a bit differently um, that's so true it's really yeah. helpful that there's like a really great yeah. produ- producing team yeah. as well who like give you feedback and give you tips and yeah. hacks yeah 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 to be clear we don't <laughs> yeah we have professional help yeah. ourselves, which a lot of people seem to think that we do um someone i was asking me about all of this stuff because they like want me to be involved with this podcast and i was like yeah i, I don't know how to do any of that yeah like, <laughs> at the BMJ we we pay someone to do that you know yeah. like like yeah. normal people do not medics yeah. who think they could do everything yeah um and like <laughs> there's loads of opportunities to like mm. debrief as well like I talked to the others after the recording and I'm like oh do you think that one went okay or not okay or like how can I improve that next time or you know you just yeah it's just a learning process and it, it might feel a bit uncomfortable at first just because it is different but anything different usually does until you're used to it so yeah mm. I was just going to say that I think the, the the difference and what I found nerve-wracking between this and writing which is like a different way of putting yourself out there is that when you write something there you're is this hiding. sort of barrier yeah. like this is my I, I don't yeah. have that much of a, a filter between my brain and my mouth either so it's literally going directly yeah. from my brain into sort of other people's ears and and that is something I've got a bit better as I've got older but you know it is very personal and we talk mm. about personal stuff here as well we talk about the stuff we're scared of the stuff that worries us yeah. that's like the main content of, the, of sharp scratch as well which is sometimes really great because you can go quite deep quite fast with with guests with panelists yeah. Um, but it does also mean, you know, having having so a, a reflection with yourself about how much of your like of your self you're willing to put out there, you know, mm. on the internet. Um, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was so worried about not being funny enough. Well, because I'm not me, funny. Anna, you person. are really boring. Like, <laughs> Anna, you're so that. funny. <laughs> so that's what I, I remember thinking that as well. Being like, because I really liked Anna, your hosting style, and I thought that you, I, I thought you were funny, and I was like, well, I'm not going to be funny cause like like Anna is. But I feel like the dynamic is also so different based on the panelists all that you've illusion. got and like how yeah, they absolutely. bounce off each other yeah. and like mm, there are definitely like some yeah. when I think back to the episodes that I hosted there are some that were a lot more serious conversations and they're really like important mm. and very people really open up and but they're a lot the tone is a lot heavier and then there are some that were absolute chaos yeah. to record but they mm. are really funny and I oh, hope that other people so found fun. them funny because I, I laughed a lot recording them but I hope that uh, to a listener it sounds funny yeah. as if they didn't know the other panelists and things but yeah I think the worst thing you can do is like compare compare to your previous episodes compare to other people's episodes like it doesn't have to be the same like they're all going to be different if I had the easiest like, yeah, job in that sense I was just uh, I was yeah. just like what do I want this to be like and then just <laughs> yeah. try and do that and then <laughs> okay so we'll come back to talking about some of the other ways you can get involved with the BMJ right after this advert I'm Dr. Matt Morgan, and alongside working as an intensive care consultant, I work as part of the BMJ On Examination team to support you in passing your medical exams. You can get access to our personalised revision resource online and in our app for years 1 to 3, totally free, as well as a huge 40% discount on our medical student finals product. 
We'll help you pass your exams by making sure to maximise the best use of your time. We'll deliver you the most important questions, keep you on track with daily reminders and give you feedback to show how you're performing. We're committed to making revision easy, so start your journey to passing first time today by visiting onexamination.com to sign up or by downloading the OnExamination app. Okay, back to the show. Um, so yeah, I thought in this last section it might be helpful to talk a bit about the Clegg Scholarship as well, which is one of the other kind of programs for listeners who don't know that you can do at BMJ students so it's 16 days and people often do it as part of their elective or part of a like student self-selected component um and I thought what could be good is to hear from some of the Clegg scholars who did this placement last year about like some of the things that they were maybe nervous about before starting and then we can kind of unpick that um as the people who've been involved in like recruiting the Clegg scholars yeah, okay, so this is um, Marina, who was one of our Clegg scholars last year, talking about some of the things that she was maybe nervous about before she started at um, the BMJ. I was naturally quite nervous about joining a team with such expertise. It was like, oh, the real writers and journalists. Like, I kind of felt like, well, I've never had a, like, bring your child to office day, and it was remote. But, yeah, that's what I felt like. You know, when you're playing in your mum's high heels, and you're like, oh, I'm a real... And it's like, no, no, you're not. But... All of that was definitely proven wrong. Um, I was made felt so welcome and included. Like, wasn't like, oh, cute, the BMJ scholar, um, Clay scholar. Um, so yeah, I think I was nervous about. Obviously, as a medical student, like, I like to write and stuff, but it, you know, I didn't really feel I had the credentials in that applying. But somehow got it and really enjoyed it. And now actually, that feels a step closer to one day maybe be like, I'm a writer, because uh, that remains a dream and the BMJ Clegg Scholarship definitely sort of put that on my radar as a feasible dream. Um, I think as a student who hasn't yet sort of found a speciality where I'm like, this is what I want to be, like um, actually realising that there's sort of non-clinical career goals has been really sort of heartening as well. Like realising, okay, I can I can find my place. And being a medical student has so many things that I can find in the future that aren't just like, oh, I want to be a neurosurgeon. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love everything that was said during that clip. That was great. I'm really, yeah, I'm really, yeah. so Marina mentioned that she was nervous um, that she didn't have the right credentials to apply for the job. So like, what were you guys looking for when interviewing Clegg scholars, if not specifically writing credentials? What other things? Yeah, so I've got the, I'll be interviewing the Clegg Scholars the week after this mm-hmm. podcast comes up. So that's really Hopefully exciting. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> so um, we had 100 applications this year. So actually reading through, um, reading through them was quite, there, there was quite a lot um, to read through. And one of the things I noticed was that it often wasn't always about the people who were writing in you know, the pieces didn't have to be beautifully written. So if you don't have tons of writing experience, that's not that's not the end of the world. Um, a piece that is, like, intriguing but a bit messy is better than a piece that is, like, bland um, but well-written. So I think it's all about ideas. It's about... Yeah, I, I'd be intrigued to hear what you all thought of the interviews, but I think for me it's someone who who's really enthusiastic about what they want mm. to, like, bring to mm. the team. Um and like yeah can really 
show that they've like thought in in the way that like in a way that like aligns with the BMJ's values. Yeah, I think certainly the enthusiasm was a huge thing that we were looking for. And something that I noted when I was doing the um, the written applications and and in the interviews as well was actually you know how much people could reflect on the experiences they'd already had rather than just presenting a sort of dispassionate list of of all the things that they've done which is you know it's always amazing to see when people have done lots of stuff but it's really you know the skills that you've learned through doing those things and how you're going to bring that into your role as a Clegg scholar that that I was always much more interested in hearing about yeah yeah for sure I think I I think ideas is is a big part of it as well like more than execution like I mean, for me, and specifically, I said, do you have a different perspective to me? Do you, are you looking at different parts of medical mm-hmm. student life to me? Do you have spicy opinions? Do you have interesting, uh, like, unusual passions or interests within medical student world or within the broader medical, like, um, scene? They're, like, more students in the office, you know what I mean? It's, it's more... It's great. Uh, more you have a little voices yeah. around. So it's... Yeah, so exactly. nice to have it's friends so and having a team. Yeah, like woo! I'm not the only kid in the office. It's great. It's really fun. Um, and uh, and yeah, so like having just being able to bring a, a different perspective to, well, when I was working, but to to me as uh, mm, yeah. you know as another team member, that's mm-hmm. something I was really interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by that point, by the time that the Clegg scholars come, you've been out of clinical placements mm. for like I don't know nine. Mm nine months or something by that point so actually having people come in who are still working in the hospitals it's yeah that sounds definitely I completely agree with everything you've all said there and also at the end of the day it's a learning post it's you you come you come in to learn new skills and to kind of develop your ideas we've we've talked a bit about having like a a a piece as part of your application that might not be fully formed but has a like has legs and could become Mm. a really good article at the end of the day when it's Mm. not an award it's not a prize that you're getting it's a teaching qualification like it's a teaching Mm. exactly what Anna was saying like if you can reflect on the things that you've done before what you've learned from those things and how you might use those as a Clegg scholar to create things or learn more things that's Mm. more what you're looking for rather than something that's fully formed if Mm. that makes sense yeah this is a on the topic of like kind of what people learned from the Clegg scholarship we've got a voice note from Nick who was one of the Clegg scholars last year talking about like some of the things that he got out of his placement previously as a student I found it quite hard to gain any real experience or exposure to some of the non-clinical opportunities and career prospects within medicine so I found it really interesting to understand what was involved within the role of an editor and really explore my own interests within writing. And I was able to do this by attending various different meetings, pitching ideas. Uh, I was encouraged to undergo my own writing and various other projects, reviewing pitch submissions. And from this, I was able to understand what journals are looking for, the differences between uh, the the various different article types. That's something that I particularly found quite interesting. Um, We were often uh, networked and um, introduced to numerous members of the editorial team who we were able to meet with and discuss what aspects of the journal they manage, uh, understand some of their insights and also discuss their career um, journey, how they ended up within the role 
and how they manage their clinical and non-clinical time, which is something that I really appreciated as it gave me a much more full understanding of the role of an editor. Yeah, that kind of sums up like some of the things that you might not expect learning when like to learn when you get here. Like I the talking to all the different editors about their career like journeys, I think that's been like such an interesting part of working here so far is like actually just yeah, kind of getting a bit of an insight into how people ended up yeah. doing this. Absolutely. Really. Been able to speak to particularly the clinical editors who are still doing part part time clinical, part time uh, at the BMJ helps helped me get a sense oh this is how I could do that I could be like that in the future mm-hmm. um, and then getting a sense of you know what um, what they did on the way before they before they ended up there as well just to give it's I wouldn't say a roadmap because people have actually quite different ways of getting there but just a sense of it being feasible and, and also feasible to make your own way mm, there as well exactly and it's so nice to know like you know I remember interviewing loads of people who you know it was super aspirational for me to you know speak to those people because they'd had amazing careers and and the one thing Mm -hmm. that you know was the theme across all of them was that almost all of them had you know not had as much of a plan as I had um and and I think you know the context is different now but it just made me so much more comfortable with the idea that oh I could just take this interesting you know offshoot if this opportunity arises and and I still have Mm -hmm. a plan like uh, I still have quite a you know um an idea of where I would like to end up but I think I'm a lot more comfortable now in being a bit more flexible in my career and and not necessarily taking the straightest route there and maybe having some bends in the road so so much which because it like the BMJ job was never part of my I thought I had a plan as well and then within about 48 hours I saw this job this job description applied for it and it was the best thing that I mean very early in my career so far but like honestly the best Mm. thing that ever happened to me was getting that job yeah exactly and it's kind of what Marina was saying as well about how like she doesn't feel like she knows what specialty she wants to go into it's okay to not know and just like figure that out and take cool opportunities when they come up and yeah pursue what you Definitely. really care Sometimes about. Sometimes not I knowing think. is such a strength so because then you, you're more curious about things which then makes you a better journalist I guess as well as a better doctor. Mm. That was really profound. so wise. <laughs> yeah it really was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that you know ending on that really profound note is probably a good, a good way to go. Um, So yeah, if anyone is interested in applying for any of these positions, the Editorial Scholar uh, post, which is the the one that we've all done, where you take a year out of med school, uh, will be opening in the next couple of weeks, which is really exciting. Um, And the applications for the Clegg Scholarship will go up um, in December for the following year. Um, So yeah, that's all we have time for today. Um, But thank you so much for joining. It's been so nice to have like a little uh, Editorial Scholar reunion. Thanks for asking us, Charlotte. Yeah, and thanks to everyone at home for listening to this episode of Sharp Scratch. If you like our show, we'd love it if you could support us by leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts or by sharing it with people you know. Tell your friends about it. That really helps people find the show. Um, Next time, we're going to be picking back up on our conversation about self-disclosure, talking about whether it's okay to share elements of your personal life with your patients. Um, So get in touch if you have any questions you want to ask beforehand. Um, You can find us at BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. 
our social media is also a really good way of getting involved if you're interested in getting involved with sharp scratch we had a question from a listener about how they can get involved so send us your questions send us voice notes um and yeah uh, be in touch and yeah um if you'd like to hear other episodes subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll be notified for our next episode until then goodbye from us bye